It will come as a surprise to almost no one that I discuss unconscious bias with my clients who are women leaders. If you haven't heard the term before, unconscious bias, also known as implicit bias, is often defined as prejudice or unsupported judgments in favor of or against one thing, person, or group as compared to another. And it is typically done in a way that is considered unfair. Research suggests that unconscious bias occurs automatically. The brain makes quick judgments based on past experience and background. As a result of unconscious biases, certain people benefit and other people are penalized. We all have unconscious biases. Men and women, young and old, people from every ethnic background, and every socioeconomic class. If you are able to catch your biases and challenge them yourself, great. But it's not likely to go down that way. It's more likely someone else will point your biases out for you. This comes back to the fact that these biases are unconscious. You're making judgments without realizing it. It is largely with the help of others that these blind spots come into your awareness. Becoming aware of and removing your unconscious biases takes an openness to hear someone out. It takes reflecting on what they share with you and considering behaving differently going forward. For many of us, critical feedback causes our defenses to go up. That's a natural human tendency. Because of this, it takes courage to point an unconscious bias out to another person. How the feedback is delivered matters if you want the other person to take in the feedback you are sharing with them. As a leader, you want to keep this in mind as you're preparing to talk to another person about an unconscious bias you've observed them display. This is exactly what came up in a coaching session I had recently with Jamie, a member of this community and a member of the military. The unconscious biases in others that are typically experienced by women leaders is around their competence. Even though women leaders score higher on competence than their male counterparts, women are still considered to be less competent than men. And they're considered to be less competent by men and women. Right. Again, this goes back to we all have unconscious biases, and this is something that comes from our culture, not from our gender. (laughs) This unconscious biases around women being less competent than men is why mansplaining occurs, and it's why women leaders' reports and decisions are more likely to be questioned and second-guessed. How do you deal with this without losing your mind or your temper? Well, listen in. In this conversation, Jamie shares her experiences and ultimately talks through the solution that feels right for her. I think her solution is going to resonate with you as well. On another note, in our conversation, Jamie and I reflected on the fact that if you're too upset or emotional when bringing up something that happened, it can backfire on you. Instead of addressing what happened, the other person becomes more focused on how upset you are, and it undermines your credibility. 
It wasn't until after we completed the recording that Jamie and I both regretted not also mentioning that the ability to express your upset can be a strength, and it is a strength, and it's not something you'd want to try to get rid of. There are times when it's not only okay to be emotional, it is in fact needed. If you are new to the Women Taking the Lead podcast, hello and welcome. I'm Jody Flynn. I'm an executive leadership coach, speaker, and author. I am the current president of the board for the Maine Women's Conference. I have the privilege and joy to work with women leaders to hone the skills and the mindset that allow them to grow into and then thrive in senior leadership. My specialization is working with women who are stabilizing after their last promotion and those who want to be ready for the next one. It is my belief that for more women to hold positions of senior leadership, there are changes at the individual and organizational level that need to occur. Not only do women need to be trained and coached on how to operate at these levels of leadership, organizations need to change their paradigm of how the work gets done and what supports are in place for leaders to do their job. If we're not already connected on LinkedIn, please send me an invitation to connect. You can find me directly at linkedin.com forward slash IN forward slash Jody Flynn, or you can search for Jody Flynn on the platform. I'm very active on LinkedIn, so I should be at or near the top of the search results. You'll see the follow button is prominent on my profile, but if you click on the more button to the right, you'll find the option to connect. Click on that and be sure to add a note to the invitation letting me know you're a listener of the podcast. I would love to connect with you and get to know you better. Welcome to the Women Taking the Lead podcast, Jamie. Hi. Oh, I'm so appreciative that you were willing to take the time to come on and have your coaching call um, aired for everybody. So for the sake of everyone who is listening, so they have some context of who you are in the world. Tell us all a little bit about yourself and what you, you're doing for work and leadership. Yeah, so um, so I joined the Air Force um, about a year out of high school. So I was like 19. Um, and I've been doing it ever since. So do the math. I'm only 21, right? Just kidding. <laughs> so <laughs> so um, December will be 16 years that I've been in the Air Force. I've done a lot of different things, but primarily my job is working on equipment that could save lives. Um, so it used to be called life support. Now it's called air crew flight equipment. Um, so parachutes, helmet, oxygen mask, flotation device, things like that. So in the event of an emergency, you have everything that you need to survive, survival kit. Um, and now I am an instructor teaching the new um, the new guys and gals coming out of basic training our, our career field. Um, so like I said, I'm almost at 16 years. I love what I do. I've been an instructor for about a year. And as challenging it is, as it is with the new generation of, of younger airmen coming in, it is so rewarding in the mentorship aspect. Um, so, yeah, I really love it. It's a, it's great. I love being an instructor and just giving back. I mean, 16 years, almost 16 years is a lot of knowledge that sometimes I surprise myself that I still remember. <laughs> so, <laughs> yes. so. 
Like sometimes so, I'll say something and I was like, wow, how did you remember that? Yes. So you were definitely feeling you're a subject matter expert, but sure. more than that, you're a leader now yes. too. So it's that combined uh, force of that. Mm-hmm. And it, it's so funny. Um, you, you and I had chatted before just to talk about the potential of, right. of this episode. And I remember thinking like, okay, like there are certain times, you know, when you might be in an office environment where you have to stop and put things in perspective and go, okay, we're not saving lives here, right? This isn't, this isn't a big deal. Everyone take a breath, like step back, but you literally are saving lives. Like the work that you do could be, could be life or death. So it's high stakes. Like, even though you're, you're not, you may not be on the battlefield, like, but somebody on the battlefield is going in there with the equipment that you prepared for them. So that's a big deal. Yeah. And, uh, trying to, to get them that my students to see that at such a low level. I mean, after 16 years of doing this, I see the bigger picture, but how do you show them the bigger picture when they're just here, like in entry level, because I put myself in their shoes. I was in that seat at one point too, and going to my first base and, you know, here I am inspecting these oxygen masks and they're going out on the aircraft and then you know, this parachute just got packed and it's going out on the aircraft and then it's coming back to me for a repack and never got used. So how do you instill the importance of saving lives when it's a good thing they didn't have to use your equipment, but you worked so hard on that equipment that they didn't have to use. Mm. So getting them to see the bigger picture of it needs to be your 150% effort because you don't know until you know that you have to use it. You know what I mean? Yes, yes. And we chatted about this before. This Mm -hmm. is the question you wanted to come and talk about, correct? Part of it, yes. (laughs) Okay. Okay. State the the rest of it. What, like, give me, give me the whole picture of what you want to chat about. So it's kind of a twofold. So there's, there's the instructor aspect of it, of getting people to understand the big picture and the why. But then the challenge of the military as a whole that I've started from, like, from the beginning is women in leadership positions, which is why I was so drawn to your podcast to begin with women taking the lead. Mm-hmm. Um, because I've been in the situation of, and thankfully it doesn't happen in the schoolhouse. Um, cause they're so young. So they look to me as the expert, but then I have peers, right. And those peers don't necessarily look at me as the expert. Some of them do, but I guess the twofold is getting people to buy in at the, at the lower levels to understand the big picture, but then also women in leadership positions is as much as we've progressed, I still find myself when I feel like I'm not being heard because I am a woman, because somebody will ask me a question and I'll give them the answer, but then they look for my male counterpart for, for the affirmation. The nod. Yeah. Right. So and for those who like, can't see Jamie's like <laughs> enacting that situation where they look over and go, really? Is that, yes. is that right? Yeah. And then once, once they get it. the nod, it's like, okay, cool. And it was like, why was I not good enough for you to just see that to begin with, you know, or yeah. like, listen to me to begin with. So I've accepted the having to prove myself everywhere I go based off of knowledge. And that doesn't irritate me. But then sometimes I fall into the trap of acting on emotion because I feel like I'm going back to where somebody needs that acknowledgement of a male counterpart, even though that might not be happening. So I guess it's a twofold of how do you regulate that emotion, which we kind of talked about a little bit is you start making up the own story in your head and that's not really what happens. 
Mm, yes. Yes. You know? Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So let me, let me kind of, um, make sure that I understand where you're coming sure. from correctly. Cause I'm here, I'm hearing there two different things, but there's a, I'm seeing a trend in both of them. So with the students, you know, the goal is to get them to take the instruction seriously, right? Mm-hmm. The, the reason why it's so important to do this at a hundred percent intention and effort a mm-hmm. hundred, you know, all the time, even if it comes to nothing, right. 99% of the time, you need to give it your best effort. So trying to get them to buy in and take the instructions seriously, right? but with, you know, colleagues or maybe, um, other leaders, it's trying to get them to take you seriously right? A- as a woman leader, as an expert. Right. Right. Because you know your stuff. Yeah. There I- shouldn't be any doubt. <laughs> yeah. Right. But they still do. And this happens everywhere, Jamie. Yeah. Not, not just in the military. It can be, it can be, um, I will say this um, for women in the military, because you, your numbers might be fewer. Mm-hmm. Right. It really stands out starkly when it happens to you and it's not happening to your male counterparts. Right. You know, it still happens to women everywhere, but they they see it happening to more women, you know, as well. So it's like, oh, I'm one amongst many where this is right. happening. This is part of the culture. OK. And yes, you and I had chatted before about um, we don't want to in- assume intention, you know, from another person, because we can get it wrong, right? You know, until, until we know for sure, you know, and I'm also a fan of assuming good intent while we're addressing something that's off, right? Mm -hmm. Too, you know, so, um, so without going much further than that, which one do you want to chat about first? Mm, Yeah, I think the probably the the leadership one like with women leadership and not assuming that somebody's just not listening to me just because I'm a female because nine times out of ten that's not the chance that's not the intent or they don't even know that they're doing it ah you've picked up on that already I have so you okay so there you have examples where you can say I'm pretty sure this person is completely unaware that they're doing this. Yes. And I actually had a situation where I had to um, address a friend, uh, his coworker friend. And I automatically assumed that he was, that he knew he was doing it intentionally. Right. So I had a a negative response to it every time. Like we would always, we were um, equal ranks and everything. So we would always just like, go at it, go at it, go at it. Like, you know, Mm -hmm. And then finally, one day, I was just like, I wonder if he even knows. And when I brought it up, he was like mortified because he didn't Mm -hmm. even know that he did it. Right. And so that kind of made me dig into. And then you start. And then I went. Well, it started making me dig into like kind of the whys behind it. And then um, I went to a PME, which is professional military education. And we talked about unconscious bias. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Right. Like it can be completely unconscious on behalf of the other person. And I'm Mm going to, I don't know if you know this, Jamie, I may shock you. You may, (laughs) or you may have learned this already. Like Uh women do this to women too. Yes. Because it's not about 
men doing this to women. It's about the culture not valuing yes. the expertise of women. Mm-hmm. So, so women leaders do this to other women as well. Um, <laughs> and, you know, and there's, there's stories out there that, you know, we can get really angry about it, but it's part of the culture, you know, that mm-hmm. we're just kind of taught this, like re- to second guess women, to make sure they've got it right. You know, there's this myth that women just, you know, aren't experts or, you know, we as women have been brought up to second guess ourselves, mm-hmm. right? Be a hundred percent sure before you declare Right. With conviction and confidence that you've got it right. Cause if you're wrong, right. You know, so we can, we even, you know, can doubt ourselves sometimes Mm -hmm. is very unconscious, but we, and that all that being said, we can be aware of it. We don't have to like it. Right. But making somebody feel bad about getting it wrong typically doesn't change their behavior, right? I I was talking about this with someone recently. If somebody makes a mistake and we attack them for it, what we're doing is causing their defenses to come up, Mm -hmm. right? And so what we get back, right? If we come at someone with anger, what we get back is anger, right? Mm -hmm. If someone feels that they've been attacked, very rarely will you find a person who will go, oh, wow, I really messed that up. I'm sorry. Instead, what you're going to get is denial. That's not true. You know, that sort of thing. And you've probably, you know, I I can openly admit I've been on that side. Oh, 100%. Yeah, right. You know, that moment. Yeah, absolutely. Like, I know what I did was wrong, but you Mm -hmm. attacked me and that was wrong too. And I'll be damned. Right. If I say sorry right now, because you wronged me, you know, and so it doesn't get us anywhere. Mm -hmm. Right. And then we just we come across as being just combative, you know, and just, you know, and it's not who we are at our core either. So it's funny that you said the combative thing. So this kind of ties into the whole um, like women in leadership positions, not even in leadership. So when women act on emotion, they're being emotional. This is, and this is from my, my experiences, right? Like I'm not speaking on behalf of everybody. Mm-hmm. You're being emotional. It must be that time of the month. What <gasps> you must have something going on in your personal life. But when men act on emotion because they're angry, because somebody did something that they shouldn't have been doing and they walk in the room with anger, everybody snaps, you know, snaps and listens and, Oh, we really upset him because we didn't live to his expectation. But for a woman, it's, oh, you're emotional. You're this, you like, mm-hmm. it must, like I said, you know, all the things, it must be that time of the month, you know, those, those type of things. And it's like, why, why are we the ones that are acting on emotion? But if a man acts on emotion, it's okay. Like he's heard because he's upset about it, you know? Right. Yes. And it's that, that dismissive that I've had. Yeah. And I remember like, you know, uh, being in corporate and getting feedback, not, not myself, but the conversation came up about being emotional in the workplace, you know, mm-hmm. and for women, it was more like being sad or crying or something yeah. like that. And people would be like, you're so emotional. But if uh, a male in the workplace, like had a fit, 
right? Got so angry, stormed out of a meeting or mm-hmm. something like that. No one would, no one would say, wow, he's really emotional. Right. Yes. <laughs> no, that, that's never a thing. It's just like, oh, watch out for him. He is upset. Yeah. But yeah. yes, for women, it's yes, the emotional part. And, and the crying part is always associated to you hurt my feelings. But mm-hmm. nine times out of 10, when you're passionate about something, especially in the workplace, you're, you're crying out of anger, not out of yeah. sadness. <laughs> yes. Yes. It's just expressed differently. Right. And part of it is conditioning because as girls, um, you know, every family is different. But right. I am going to say this generally, girls mm-hmm. get a pass for crying. Yeah. Right. And boys get a pass for getting angry. Right. right. So this has been conditioned in us that these are the appropriate ways for women to express being upset. This is the appropriate way for men to be express being upset. And I can't tell you how many women I know and who have said to me, when I get angry, I cry. And yeah. that's just how I express anger. And in my head, I'm thinking, because that's how you were taught to and you express know, anger. It's funny, too, because the whole... um looking to the male for affirmation, I started really thinking about that. And I was like, when you think about our generation or, or older generations who were raised a certain way, the majority of us was dad had the final say. Mm-hmm. So if you think about that and it's just like, okay, mom said I could, but I had to wait for dad to get home to have the final say. You didn't even, you don't even realize that I may be asking you or telling you to do something or you ask me a question and I'm explaining it to you, but dad's has, dad has the final say, you know? Yes. Yes. So, and you know, I love that you bring up that example, Jamie, because from that perspective, if we take a step back and say, okay, we've all been trained to yeah. do this, right? This mm-hmm. just, it's, it's, and you're an instructor. So this is perfect. Yep. When you come across someone who has learned how to do something incorrectly. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you, you are now tasked as the instructor to help them stop doing it incorrectly and start doing it correctly. Mm -hmm. How, how do you go about that as an instructor? Well, thankfully I would say that the equipment and things that we, that we work on, um, it's not a, it's not a trade, I guess you will, or, or a, a work thing that people do outside of the military. You know, like, mm-hmm. you know, you don't really hear often that it's in the civilian sector, somebody's packing parachutes unless they're into skydiving. Right. Mm-hmm. So thankfully, when it comes to equipment wise, it's not like being a, a car mechanic and having to break, you know, bad habits or something like that. So working on the equipment, not so much. Um, but I think just cultural norms, I guess, if you will, or more personality wise, do you have to untrain, I guess, if that's not, I don't know if that's really the right word, but in basic training. So basic training is, is kind of the starting point in that is to break you down of the things that you've learned and what everything that you think that you know, and build you back up to where we need you to be as the military. So Mm -hmm. we just have to continue that on. So, um, you and I kind of talked about it before, but knowing the why behind things mm-hmm. and as instructors being confident enough and okay enough to not get upset when somebody is questioning us because they're not questioning us. 
Yeah. They just want to know the why behind it. They're not questioning our authority. But if you say you have to march to and from class, well, that's stupid. I don't want to do that. Okay. Well, if you say, hey, you have to march to and from class, because if you don't as a whole, you back up traffic around the entire base. And this is a real thing that has happened in my schoolhouse. Um, and so then that light bulb went off of, oh, I never even thought of that because why would you think of that? So I think right. when it comes to overcoming our own pride in not not making, not saying something and expecting somebody to do it just because we said so, but being comfortable enough in us to explain the why in it, you get a lot more buy-in because like uh, you and I have had the conversation where this generation has had the why right at their fingertips their entire lives. Yeah. So now you have somebody telling them, hey, you have to do these things, but they're giving them no explanation behind it. How many people want to do something that they don't understand why they're doing it? It's a waste yes. of time for them, you know? So Yeah. So anyone, <laughs> you know, for those of you who are listening, um, if you have millennials and Gen Z in your world, and we all do, try to think of a situation where you, you're insisting that they do something, but you're not explaining to them why it's important. How, <laughs> how long do you think they're going to follow along with that until it becomes inconvenient? And then they're like doing something else because right. they don't have the why they have to have the why. Okay. So now bring that into this situation where y- you're faced with somebody who's asked you for an answer right? Mm-hmm. To, to report out what you know, or what your, you know, what your um, opinion is. And then they look to a male counterpart to, to mm-hmm. double check. How can you bring what you just said into that situation? I think not taking it personally. I mean, taking that personal emotion out of it, right? So yeah. I guess when I talk about it like this in a form like this, I'm like, yes, this is what I need to do. But in that moment, just like they don't know that they're doing it, I don't realize that I'm getting upset because they just look to the other person. You know what I mean? So I think that just is more of me being self-aware in the moment, not after the fact or before the fact. Because, you know, when you plan out a conversation in your head and then you're like, oh, I didn't say this and I didn't say this, (laughs) you know? And so in that moment, I'm like, okay, this is what I'm going to do from now on. If somebody does that, that's fine. Because if he gives a head nod, okay, whatever, at least it's getting done. Like my, my intent is, is whatever I needed to get done is going to get done. And who cares if he gave the head nod? Like, you know what I mean? Like, why is that affecting me so much? And I, I think that's a, that's an internal thing. And I guess my thing is my, what I need to work on is in that moment, not letting it affect me. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? so. It doesn't have to be mutually exclusive, right? Cause yes. there is a part of you that's like, it's not right. And it needs to change. Yeah. And I don't want to get so upset about it. Right. Mm-hmm. So you can work on both, right. Yeah. You're still going to notice it, but you don't want to know, you don't want to take it personally. Right. Right. And, and that's a mindset shift, right. Reminding yourself like, we were all taught this. Yes. Right. And this person doesn't have bad intentions. They're just doing what they've always been taught. It's just a bad habit, right? Mm-hmm. That they're unaware of. And that will help you release taking it personally. Cause it's not about you. Cause I bet if you, you know, asked that person, you know, do you not think I know what I'm talking about? Do you think I 
lack expertise, I bet you they would say, oh my gosh, where's that coming from? Right. Of course, yeah. like, of course I trust you. Of course I, you know, everything, you know, when you call them on it, they would say a hundred percent, you know, you are the expert, you do know what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Right. So, so taking out that it's, it's about you because you're now, you recognize that it's not. However, you do want to change the behavior, right? And make them more aware of it. And I say this too, it's a process, right? Like you said, like, even if you plan out a conversation, you're, (laughs) you're, you're in the moment and you forget things. And the more emotional you get, the more you forget things too, right? And you get derailed by the emotion. So staying calm is important, but I would say, this is probably going to be a a process for you. And it's going to start with walking out of the conversation, realizing it happened, being like, oh, I should have said something. Mm -hmm. But then here's my invitation. Go back to the person and say, hey, (laughs) I just want to make you aware that this happened. Mm -hmm. Right. And you know, you'll be coming from a place of I'm not blaming you, right? Because you're already be like, this isn't personal. You think internally, you've got this going on. So it'll keep you calm, direct, straightforward. When you asked me the question, and I answered, you looked to so and so to get confirmation. Mm -hmm. And I'm trying to change that behavior around here you know, to some extent, right? You'll know, you'll have the words to speak to the person that you'll be speaking to. But it'll look like that at first. Mm -hmm. And the more and more you do that, the more you'll catch it in the moment where Mm -hmm. you'll be like, why did you just look to him? Yeah. (laughs) Right. But I also think that you just brought, you made me think about something else too, is um, being comfortable with having those crucial conversations with the male that gives the nod. Yeah. Because in that moment, he's, he is saying that like, yes, I have the final say. Right. Mm, Yes. So it's it's both with a guy now who like, you know, he's technically my boss, but he is so we're very supportive of each other. And he's very much so if it's coming out of her mouth, then yes, we've already talked about it. We more than likely have already talked about it. Right. Um, but I've had issues in the past where I'll say something and then the male has to say, yeah, she's right. Blah, 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 blah. Okay. Well, if I, if you know what I'm saying is right, just leave it at that because now you just had to have that one up of yes, that she's right. Now listen to me, even though you Mm -hmm. just said the same thing. So, and that's another thing that I think I've had, I've had to have that conversation before, but it's an uncomfortable conversation. You know, Mm -hmm. Um, when you do this, you make me feel like this. And so Again, that goes back to having that conversation when my emotions are lowered. Because if yes. I do it in the moment, then, oh, you're just being emotional. <laughs> right. And it doesn't come out right when we're emotional. Yes. Right. I'm not going to say, and I, I, I want to put a qualifier here, like little star, read below. You know, yeah. if you're in a situation where emotion is absolutely appropriate, you know, be emotional. Right. Mm-hmm. There there are certain situations where that is the, the appropriate thing and the right thing is to just show your emotion. But there are some situations where the words you say will have more impact if you're not so emotional, especially if you know you're in a situation where you'll get dismissed, 
if you're mm-hmm. too emotional, right. right? And and you're trying to create change. And unfortunately, we we have to manage right. our emotions to mm-hmm. create changes in certain situations. So yeah, you're talking about two uncomfortable conversations. <laughs> yeah. To have, right? And yeah. I know it can it can feel sometimes like, oh, why do I have to be the one who does this? Mm-hmm. Right. But y- you are the change maker. Yeah. Right. You're gonna make a difference for all the women who come after you. There is so much that can be gained by listening to what another woman is going through and to understanding the strategy she will implement to overcome the challenge she is faced with. For this reason, I would love to keep doing more on-air coaching calls on this podcast. If you are a woman leader who's been promoted or taken on a new role in the last year, I invite you to apply to be on the Women Taking the Lead podcast. You will be completely anonymous, so you won't need to worry about anyone you work with listening to you talk about your challenges. This is an opportunity for you to get insights and strategies to overcome any challenges you've been faced with at work. And the other woman listening to your episode will learn from your experience and gain insights that they can use at work. You can find the link that will take you to the application in the episode description in your podcast app or at the bottom of the episode page on the Women Taking the Lead website. I'm looking forward to chatting with you. I don't. I don't like, I don't really care for labels like, you know, oh, you're a feminist or you're this or that. I don't really care for that. But I do believe that people don't realize how much I literally just encountered it yesterday when I went to lunch with all my male counterparts. Um, Two older gentlemen, probably served at some point, came to our table and thanked us for our service. But both, neither of them looked at me. They only looked at the men at the table. And I brought that to the attention of my, of my guy friends. And I was like, did you guys notice this? And they're like, no, there's no way. Maybe it was because you're sitting at the end of the table and you were so close to him. And I said, but the guy across from me is just as close to him on that side. Mm-hmm. And they're like, oh my gosh, you're right. He didn't. And and like I said, I don't think that from an older generation that was intentional by any means. I think it was just that generation only sees men in the military. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So yeah. it's just little things like that. Or when I go off base and... um go to a doctor they're like oh can I have your insurance card for your husband because he's in the military I'm like no I'm in the military <laughs> you know mm-hmm. what I mean so it's just it's definitely getting better it's come so far but those little things not even just me but like women across the board like just correct it in the moment so that it does become a change you know you don't have to make it this big ginormous thing you know yes Jamie you answered your own question yeah <laughs> <laughs> And I love when that happens. (laughs) Yes, I love when that happens. This is how coaching is supposed to work because the answer is within the client, right? And I'm I'm just having the conversation with you and asking questions to bring it out Mm -hmm. of you. But you you are doing the work, right? And correct me if I'm wrong. I think you're more interested in how does this get comfortable? Yeah. How can how can this not be? so hard because you're doing it you're doing mm-hmm. the hard work I don't think you like that it is so uncomfortable sometimes yeah to that do is, that. it is hard for me because I'm such a people person and I'm such a you know I just took a test yesterday about le- leadership and your qualities and strengths and once again I got told how empathetic I am which I am and and I yeah. embrace that I used to not claim that because 
you know, as a woman in the military, you don't right. want to be empathetic, you know, you have to not be, too many people are celebrating strong, that. You know? And, <laughs> yes. but now like in a leadership position, like, especially where I'm at, that empathy goes a long way. And I love building those relationships. And I'm hesitant sometimes because I never want that, that conflict in that moment to ruin that relationship. But that just means it wasn't a good relationship to begin with. Right. right. So, well, to some extent, and I'm saying, right, like to kind of put, put a period at the end of the sentence, because yeah. actually I'm going to take you in a, in a different direction. Um, sometimes conflict is there because of the way we're looking at the situation, mm-hmm. right? When you're in the classroom and somebody is off track, right? They're, they're saying something, but you're like, oh, that's, that's not quite right. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't perceive that as conflict that you have to correct them, right? No. Because it's your job, right? Yeah. And it's what you do. Yeah. And when we talk about the why, you're correcting them because it saves lives. Right. Yeah. Right. And things go well if I correct them. When you're in these situations where you're calling somebody out for their unconscious biases mm-hmm. or biases, let me say right. that correctly, your unconscious biases you're doing it for a good purpose, mm-hmm. right? So it's conflict if it's personal, yeah, right? It's about me, but it's not conflict if it's about everybody, not just women too. Because if you think, because if you think about it, your your male friends, when you've pointed out things, they've been like, oh, wow, Mm -hmm. I never saw, I didn't see that before, right? right? You know, and you did have a friend who you were addressing his behavior. He became Mm -hmm. mortified, you know, in the conversation. And I know that made you uncomfortable, but let's take that a few steps after. How does he feel now that he's aware of what what he does? (laughs) It's funny that you asked that because we went different ways. He went to a new, a new assignment. I went to a new assignment. Um, but there's been two different occasions where he's reached back to me and said that he used me as an example because of him, me bringing that up to him. But in a good way, not use me as an example in a bad way. But he told the story mm-hmm. of I had a friend who I didn't know that I was even doing this. Yeah. And so, I mean, I guess it, just just bringing that up to him, he's already had the conversation with multiple people. So it has already spread in that aspect. It's rippled, right? Yeah. You mm-hmm. course corrected him. Yeah. Right. Or he chose to course correct after you mm-hmm. gave him some feedback and now it's rippled out. Yeah. That's powerful. Yeah. And I think that we built a good enough friendship to, to know that I'm like, okay, I can have this conversation with him, but really it's not a bad conversation to have. That's, that's something that's in my own head. Like, oh, this is a, this is a bad conversation to have, but I'm like, it's really not mm. a good conversation to have, but I was comfortable enough with him and my friendship that I could finally talk to him about it. But it doesn't mean that you have to be the best of friends when you're in the work center, or you're in a team together. You, sh- you should be able to, you have to have those, those, um, what are they called? Crucial conversations. Yeah. So, right. Right. So you're looking at it like a crucial conversation. It doesn't have to be bad. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be personal or emotional. It's really right. just almost like holding up a mirror. And just mm-hmm. saying, hey, are, were you aware, you know, you have like, or it's that like, 
you have something in your teeth, yeah. you know, yeah. sort of thing. But if, you know, but if you care about the other person and you mm-hmm. don't want them walking around with something in their teeth, you, you would point it out to them so that they can fix that. And as, as much as like in the moment we might be like, oh my God, I have something in my teeth. I'm so embarrassed. Like yeah. we're so grateful that sure. somebody pointed it out to us as well. And you not only impact their life, right? Because then they have the option to course correct at that point. You impact the other women that they interact with, mm-hmm. right? And the men that they role model for, mm-hmm. right? And yeah, and that's, and that's even more important because you had asked how, you know, correlating this in, in the classroom with the students and it 100% does because now they're seeing me as like a strong like female figure, right? That, hey, this is how men or not even I don't even want to say men and women because this is just a standard right everybody should be treated equally with respect so if I start that in the classroom then they go out into their next space like that that's a trickle you know a ripple effect as well Mm -hmm. so we don't even have to have the male and female conversation but just having that whole vibe in the classroom like hey just because she's speaking she gave you your turn now you you give her her turn right so Mm because I've seen that before too where you know, you have the male speaking over the female, but I don't Mm -hmm. even make it about male and female. It's just, Hey, we're all classmates here. We're all in the classroom. We respect each other no matter what. Yeah. I love that you take gender out of that. It's a behavior, right? You're talking over somebody. Mm -hmm. Stop it. (laughs) It's a classmate. It's not a female or male. Perfect. Love that. Mm -hmm. Okay. How does that feel? That feels better. I mean, it definitely is a, it goes back to my kind of like we talked about you, you make up your own scenario in your head without actually knowing the facts of the situation. All right, Jamie, any, anything else? No, I really appreciate you having me on here. I was, I could talk about this stuff for hours. (laughs) (laughs) I could talk about it for hours too. So feel free to reach out anytime. All right, Jamie, thank you so much um, for coming on. I know this is going to make a huge difference for the women who are listening to this podcast. So thank you again. Yes, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. What were your takeaways from this on-air coaching call? Are you in an environment where the unconscious biases of others is undermining your credibility as a leader? Head over to LinkedIn to share your thoughts and takeaways on the post corresponding to this episode. I would love to hear what stood out most for you. And if your last promotion has you experiencing and confronting challenges you haven't faced before, consider working with me. I would love to support you through this transition, help you get your bearings and feeling confident in your leadership once again. You can find a link to schedule a time to chat with me in the episode description. If you're listening through a mobile device, that link will be in your podcast app. And if you're listening through the Women Taking the Lead website, the link will be toward the bottom of the episode webpage that you're listening on. If you are going to ask your company to sponsor you to work with a coach, there's also a link to access a checklist that will help you to prepare for the conversation. As always, I hope this was of value to you. And here's to your success.